0: Just give us one hour, and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice, and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. As a filmmaker, positive psychology coach, author, professor, and change agent specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cybers-Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. On the show, she also focuses on military families and service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and other post-deployment civilian life reintegration issues. So, let's spend some time getting to the heart of the matter on Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, where we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face, ladies and gentlemen. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is most definitely all about the heart. If you want to connect with us, we love hearing from you. So follow me on Twitter at Lisa Kamen and HH Talk Radio or tweet at us with the hashtag HarvestingHappiness. Alrighty then, let's get to it. So much of what we talk about on this show has to do with generating passion, purpose, place, and meaning in the world, because this is the sweet spot. This is where we find and stay connected to our joy. And with me in the studio today, actually from a remote studio over in Boulder, Colorado, is the lovely Gabby Yuri she is a 16 year old high school junior she is the world's female planking champion as certified by the Guinness Book of World Records and she's gonna tell us what it means to be uh, a plank master in a minute but it's important for you to know a couple of things about Gabby she was born with special needs that affect her spine feet and glutes. She decided to break the world record in order to raise money and awareness for the Children's Hospital Colorado where she has received most of her 14 major surgeries and I want to repeat that 14 surgeries to help her manage the condition that she has which she's going to tell us about in a minute she doubled the existing world record for holding the abdominal plank which for those of you who don't know is a yoga position which is a core strengthening exercise and her timing ladies and gentlemen was 1 hour and 20 minutes good morning gabby
2: good morning
1: this is a first to be broadcasting from high school for me <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and first i think for me that's <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's pretty darn cool. So Gabby, tell us a little bit about the history of your condition and how you came up with this plank challenge and how it really fuels your view on the world and, 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 and what lights your fire each day.
2: Okay. Well, um, basically it's a congenital disease that my parents only found out about um, when, on the day I was born. And Basically it means I have very bad back, I have uh, scoliosis, I have no calf muscles, Um, my feet are very messed up Um, and it basically meant that I needed about 14, yeah, 14 major surgeries to correct all of it. Um, And that was mostly when I was younger. I still have to have some like updates, I guess (laughs) you could call them, but um, mostly my day to day life is pretty normal. I still have to do some things uh, to keep my body healthy, but normally I just go to school, do my homework, go out with my friends. Um, yeah, it's a pretty normal life for right now. Um, and the planking came up about a year and a half ago. I was trying out for my school's volleyball team. And for tryouts, everyone else had to run a mile um, every day. And I explained to my coach that I couldn't really run. That's kind of, like, one of the limitations is that, like, obviously you need calf muscles to run well. Um, so I explained to her that, and she said, just get down and do the plank. Um, and I was like, okay, no. Just kind of sat there, and, or not sat there, plank there, um, while my friends were running. And when everyone else came back, she looked down at the clock and was very surprised because um, I'd been doing the same plank for 12 minutes. And I found out that that, that was a very good time. Um, and i had always had this kind of like dream of breaking Guinness World Record. So I think when I heard that that was an impressive time, I kind of like instantly thought that maybe this was something I could try.
1: And this is really uh, an, an awesome feat. For any of you who do yoga or do any kind of functional training, you will know that plank pose gets pretty miserable for the average bear after about a minute and a half, I would say. <laughs> Wouldn't you, Gabby?
2: Uh, yeah, I think my brother's, um, record is about like three minutes now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so this is this is quite a feat, and really an example of determination. And first of all, your your dad. And we should we should mention that your dad, William Murray, is the, the co-founder of Harvard's program on negotiation, and he is a very influential guy when it comes to um, negotiating deals and mediation. And he came on the show to talk about his latest book, Getting to Yes with Yourself and Other Worthy Opponents. And he was talking about you um, as really being somebody that he admires when it comes to following one's heart and I think that's what really led me to want to have you on the show that here you are uh, a young lady a young woman who has had some significant challenges in your life and yet you are choosing the path of joy Hmm. and that is something that we can all learn from
2: yeah um yeah I think that basically ever since I was little my kind of policy has been that like if, well, complaining isn't going to really help. So I didn't really see the point in doing it. Obviously, like during the rough patches, it was a little harder, but like on a day-to-day basis, you just kind of have to go with what life gives you.
1: Well, I think it's much more than going with what life gives you. It It's taking what life gives you and making something of meaning out of it, which is what you've done. Not only did you challenge yourself physically to, uh, be a certified um, expert in the Guinness Book of <laughs> World Records. I mean, you're a champion, um, but you decided to make something of it to give back and to give back to the hospital who has helped you really overcome some of these challenges. So tell us a little bit about that, your relationship with Children's Hospital Colorado.
2: Yeah, well, um, Children's was always a place that I was very familiar with growing up. Um, it's such a beautiful hospital, Um, but basically I kind of thought about this, that without the doctors there, um, and everything there that I probably wouldn't be able to do a plank, much less like lead a pretty much normal life. Um, so I kind of thought that without them, I wouldn't be able to do, uh, well, like what's been my dream of having a Guinness World Record. So I figured that it was my time to, uh, try and help them help other people, especially, um, People with like, I don't know, congenital uh, special needs.
1: Well, it, it is a it is a noble pursuit, and uh, this 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 concept of always wanting to be in the Guinness Book of World Records. Your dad really mentioned that. He said, you know, she has <laughs> always had this dream, and and you figured out a way to do this. Um, I think kind of by accident, right? I mean, you were supposed yeah. to run, you couldn't run and there you were down in plank and it, it sounds like it, there was an aha moment there that you could do something with
2: this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely by accident. I had kind of like tried to break a Guinness world record a few times, never like officially or anything like that. But like I did it with my friend in, our, in my driveway, like longest hopscotch course. When I was like 10 and like these kind of silly records. Like my brother walked in and had like 80 socks on one foot. Um, and I was just, like, I really wanted, like, a Guinness World record. I didn't really care what it was for. And then I kind of, like, hadn't tried anything in a few years, and it just kind of stumbled on accident that I happen to be good at something that's probably much cooler than putting 80 socks on one foot. Um, yeah.
1: Well, I think it's quite symbolic, too. I mean, you're talking about being strong to the core, which I think is emblematic <laughs> of the journey that you are taking and 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 what's your next challenge
2: um i don't think i have one i mean i'm a junior so i think probably getting into college is a pretty good challenge for now um i don't know maybe one day i'll try and break my own record or if i see if i stumble upon something else but i think for now pretty satisfied just being a high school student
1: I, you know, I, 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 I hear you. I've got uh, a daughter that's on her way to college next year. And I would say that is a major challenge for yeah. <laughs> any, um, young person out there who is, um, headed off into the next phase of their lives. Um, let's talk for a minute about your TEDx talk because you gave a TEDx talk in San Diego that kind of rocked the house. Tell us about it.
2: <laughs> oh, well, that was like the most amazing experience. Um, it was great. My dad actually did one at the same conference, which was really fun to have both of us there. Um, but, yeah, it was incredible. Um, yeah, I gave about, like, a 12-minute talk, and I was very nervous um, walking out on stage, but it just, like, felt very right uh, once I started talking. And, yeah, I was very surprised that I got a standing ovation. I was definitely not expecting that. Um, yeah, I'd say it was, like, one of the most... I don't know, influential moments of my life.
1: (laughs) And what did you talk about?
2: Um, I just kind of talked about, like, well, the um, title of my talk was What's Wrong With Me? Absolutely Nothing. Um, And I just kind of talked about, I told my story, and I talked about kind of how I wouldn't necessarily change anything, obviously. Like, it would have been probably easier for me and my parents if I didn't have all these problems. Um, But in the end, like, As you said, the planking thing came up very by accident. So I think if I hadn't had all those problems, I wouldn't be the same person. And obviously, I would have run the mile, but I wouldn't have planked, and I wouldn't have figured out that I have this very strange uh, talent for planking. And then obviously, I wouldn't have had very awesome experiences that I have had because of planking.
1: So what I hear you saying is that you really are aware of the silver lining of your situation that in your young life, you have come to really understand that out of any situation, um, there can be sort of that sweet spot or that bright spot.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, ever since I was little, I kind of took the best in the situation. Like when I was little, my, like I had to go through like all the doctors, women's, but like I would always be looking forward to like the lollipop at the end Um, (laughs) and all these different things like the ice cream at children's hospital. Like that was my favorite thing ever. Um, And like, I don't know ever since I was little, I kind of like tried not to focus on so much the bad because I think that could lead me into a very depressing circle. But I think, I think it's very important that you just kind of like shake it off. Like I would go back to school, nothing happened. Like, um, yeah, I just try to get like, after surgery especially, I would just try and get better, and it's more of a mental thing, I think, out of everything because I know my mom when I was little she'd like bribe me with like candy to like get out of bed um, but I think it's a very mental thing more than physical, for you to like recover and really take full advantage. We are life.
1: going to we're going to check out for a very quick recess and then we'll be right back and continue the conversation with Gabby Yuri to learn more about this incredible young woman, please visit Gabby. Yuri.com on twitter and, and instagram she is at gabby Yuri, and on facebook gabby Yuri. here come those tunes right now
0: happiness is an inside job wear the message on t-shirts baseball caps sterling silver designer jewelry and more please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com.
2: Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa cypress Cayman has made her 1st ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.HarvestingHappinessTalkRadio.com. Love is in the air In the whisper of the tree
1: Love is never in the of the sea. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download this podcast and share. Why? Because sharing is caring and what we offer here is kind, it's free, it's legal, it's available 24-7 and we're talking with Gabby Urey about leading by example, how we can take um, adversity when it knocks on our door and make something of it to create meaning that actually helps us generate more joy, to have more passion in our lives and maybe spread that around to those that we know so gabby as the certified guinness world guinness book of world records i can't speak here planking champion i bet that you have known a little bit of fear and uncertainty in your life through that challenge as well as the physical challenge that you shared in the last in the last segment so let's talk about how you face fear and how you would guide others to deal with it when they encounter it?
2: Um, well, I'd have to say, like, I think most important for me is having, like, my friends and family. Like, whenever I'm coming out of surgery, it's always my mom that's, like, like, kind of the tough love kind of person. Like, you need to get out of bed, otherwise you're not going to get better. And And I think I was always kind of afraid that it was going to hurt or something like that. But I think it's important that you have people kind of almost forcing you to do it because I think... Without it, you're just going to end up in a hole um, that it will be much more difficult to get out of. Or like um, while I was actually trying to break the world record, it wasn't so much a fear thing, but like a pressure kind of situation, Um, like something that hadn't happened to me before, because obviously when I was practicing, I was alone in my room, Um, but with all my friends and family watching and my brother set up a live webcast and all these different things and that this was the actual deal with. Uh, like that was being measured at around like half an hour which I know sounds like a long time but isn't actually like where I wanted to be I like just felt like I was done I was everything was in pain Um, and at that moment like my mom just came around me she's like I don't know how to help like so obviously she couldn't touch me or anything like that so I asked her to get my friends to try and distract me and my friends came over and they started singing and telling me funny stories and I think without like that was the only way I got through that moment um, cause obviously like I really wanted to, but I don't, I don't think I could have done it without them. I really was like in a dark, <laughs> dark hole that was going down fast.
1: <laughs> well, uh, so really I hear you say support, um, yeah. um, your tribe or your community helping you push the envelope, you know, just kind of push you beyond where you think you can go. Um, that there's some accountability definitely yeah, absolutely uh, in the mix, uh, uh humor,
2: Yeah, definitely my friends um, came over and told me funny stories that had just happened in the car, and I think that definitely helped kind of distract me from how much it was hurting.
1: (laughs) And I think that's a very good point, that we can use... Interesting tools, humor being a great one, to help us distract and endure ourselves during times of fear and discomfort. That doesn't mean we take our eye off the prize, you know, what we're trying to get to and our goal, but that it can actually help diffuse the immediate discomfort.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: What do you want people to know most about Gabby, Yuri? Here you are, a junior. You're going to be heading off to college um, ne- at the end of next year. And maybe if you were to listen to this interview a year or two from now um, and look back and smile at it, what would you want the world to know?
2: Hmm. Um, that's a tough question. I think um, what's most important for me is that people realize that it's um, – well, the most important part in my life has been the fact that like, people haven't necessarily, like, no one's judged me, no one's treated me different because of like, obviously my special needs. Um, and I think that's the most important people, I think people will learn out of this is that um, kind of using it as an example that like, they really shouldn't, like, I know this sounds cheesy, but like, judge a book by its cover. Um, because even, even yourself, like you don't know what you're capable of. And I think it's very important uh, or at least for me, that people don't necessarily are quick to judge uh, simply because, like, if you had asked me three years ago or even two years ago, like, if how I was going to end up doing this interview about how I discovered planking, I would have thought you were completely crazy. Um, so I think <laughs> that's the most important thing um, that people realize is that really, like, you don't know what you can accomplish, so really don't judge others. Um, because it might limit them.
1: You know, I think that's a that is a huge point for all of us to take note of that, you know, we've heard sort of the cliche don't take uh, don't judge a book by its cover and yet many do. And in your case, you have chosen to define your life as a young woman who has had some challenges, but you are a Guinness Book world uh record champion and and you're not a special needs girl you know you are you are a champion and I think that is the big difference and what separates you from the pack was your attitude your determination your view on life which at 16 I think is pretty broad and holistic and we can all learn we can all learn from you Gabby thank you Why do you think people get caught up in things that challenge them that they they get stuck you know and 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 what advice would you give to someone who is stuck perhaps they're stuck in the fear of not knowing what to do, or how to create a good challenge for themselves, or maybe they're in the midst of trying to achieve some goal and they're they're stuck. They get mired in the fear and uncertainty and are unable to push through. What are some of Gabby's tips that you would give give our mm-hmm. listeners?
2: Um, well, obviously, a big one for me was distraction. I think that's was my big I don't know secret of the whole thing. Um, I think like a good level of distraction might help maybe take a step back from it. Um, But most importantly, I'd say, like, I know this sounds hard, but, like, get over it and try it anyways. Um, Because even if you fail, like, uh, I think it's very important that you try it. because, I mean, you have no idea what could happen out of it. Like, obviously, I never expected any of this planking business to start. Um, So I think it's important that, like, you acknowledge those fears, maybe try and, like, distract them a little bit, but ultimately, like, you need to try it anyways, because truly, like, even if you fail, so what? Like, who cares? I think it's important that people, like, I don't know, see what can happen out of it.
1: Well, I think what you say is really important, that it is, it is the, the willingness to fail, it is first part of the requirement with any challenge that we take on that, to, and to perhaps view those failures not as failures, but maybe limited successes, because you're out there yeah. doing it. You know, so you're already out. You're already pushing the envelope a little bit because you're trying, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And to keep going.
2: Yeah, I think that's the uh, most important thing because the thing is, you'll always kind of live in this "what if I had" kind of moment. Well, like you should do it anyways because, I mean, even if you fail, like maybe you learn something that actually could help you next time.
1: Yes. And you said something very interesting, distraction. And I think that that's something that flies in the face of everything that we're told about achieving our goals. That, yeah. we're, that we're told, like, we, should, we need to keep our eyes on the prize, keep ourselves focused. You know, it's kind of that one direction to keep moving towards, you know, towards that horizon line. And I think what you just shared is really important because it's it's saying, no, 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 we, you, know, you never lose sight of the goal. But especially when you're doing a physical challenge like, you know, the, the planking championship, you needed the distraction in order to get where you needed to go.
2: Yeah, because I think people get under a lot of stress, and maybe they feel pressure from other people um, who maybe they think that if they don't achieve it, we'll judge them or something like that. Um, But I think it's important for people to kind of take a step back and maybe distract themselves a little bit, and maybe that might help with the pressure. I think that's what truly helped me uh, with the entire thing, is that I felt more comfortable once again and then I could really continue and I felt much better about achieving it.
1: Now uh, what's it like growing up in a household with like a major negotiator?
2: <laughs> um, I think people have an image of him that he is not at home. Um, he definitely like tries his negotiation skills His like um, go to the balcony. I don't know if he talked about that but he talks about that a lot at home of kind of he yes. tries the negotiation skills but I think me and my mom are are a match for him um but he's definitely like a very silly person at home he's like most distracted person ever so I think people have this very image of like great negotiator and I definitely get to see that part of him but when he comes home it just turns off
1: he's just dad and a guy when he's home
2: yeah he's super funny he gets like into whatever tv show I'm watching um and he's like definitely not what you'd expect him to be
1: well it sounds like he has influenced you well in in, in several ways and that you are a, a, a formidable contender against william yuri's um, <laughs> negotiation skills, and that you are such a proud and and strong self advocate for your own um, for your own joy for your own um stance in life. I I think that you are just an awesome inspiration for old and young. You know, what are your what are your what do your friends say and your colleagues at school?
2: Um, well I'm actually like staring at them. They have no idea what I'm doing. They look very confused. But um I'd like I think the best thing about them is that they don't care about anything all of this. Like they didn't care about my special needs. Like when I told them about planking, they're like that's awesome. And then now they, like, make fun of it. They're still trying to figure out if, like, I had strings from the ceiling holding me up. Like, they're just the people that, like, they don't care. They just, like, care about who the person is. And I think that's one of the most important things that you could have in Friends.
1: Well, Gabby Ury, you are an inspiration to us all. Um, Gabby Ury is leading by example. To learn more, please visit gabbyuri.com. On Twitter and Instagram, she is at Gabby Ury, And on Facebook, Gabby Ury. Thanks for taking time out of your day, Gabby, your school day. And um, have a fabulous one. Thank you for being with us.
2: Thank you. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her 1st ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.HarvestingHappinessTalkRadio.com.
1: Saturday afternoons on 97.5 joy riding the coast with a global vibe pleasing your ears and inspiring your mind
0: longe? Longe? Es tu mente.
1: Joy riding the coast with me Lisa Cypress Kamen, Saturdays 2 to 5 on 97.5. K-B-U, and RadioMalibu.net.
0: Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes.
1: Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just Don't joining worry. us now, we are talking about leading by example, leading through joy, leading through working through and beyond our fear and into fearlessness, and then by the example of courage and what that means. And with me now is Nancy Belmont. She is the creator of a a truly cool project called The Courage Wall. It's a community project that catapulted to the national and international stage just a week after its launch. The Courage Wall has been covered by the Today Show, Al Jazeera, ABC, Forbes, and the Washington Post, sparking the conversation on courage and fear in millions around the globe. And what this project is about, and Nancy will tell you more about it in her own words, it's an 8-by-20-foot chalkboard that reads, I wish I had the courage to, and it invites passersby by to confront their fears, confront what is actually holding them back from living big and living authentically. And a little bit about Nancy. For the past 15 years, Nancy Belmont has run Belmont Inc., a brand and culture building agency. She is a leadership coach and she uh, practices organ- organizational community building. Nancy works with leaders to define who they are, what they stand for, and how they want to show up in the world. She coaches and facilitates groups and runs workshops on topics relating to branding, culture, courage, values, and joy. She also recently launched a product line on Etsy featuring inspiring tools to help people live big. And I did jump on on your Etsy page, Nancy, and it is lovely. I encourage our listeners to go there and and have a look for gift items, inspirational items, etc. Nancy also works with Fortune 500 executives, SES leaders in the federal government, senior level officials in the U.S. military, and executive directors of nonprofits as a coach, creative consultant, and team facilitator. She is a graduate of Georgetown University's Leader Leadership Coaching Project and holds an ACC certification from the International Coaching Federation. Good morning, Nancy, and thank you for being with us. Good morning. It's great to be here. Why courage?
3: Well, I've been coaching for a while now, and what I find is that pretty much every transformational coaching session has come down to taking away all the stories that are covering up a fear and figuring out how to interact with that fear in a way that people can move beyond the fear. And, you know, it's, it's trying to find that courage to confront a fear that they didn't even sometimes know existed. And so what I wanted to do was to broaden the conversation on courage, have people of all ages participate in it because I'm 44 and I know that, um, you know, when I was a kid, we didn't talk about courage. We didn't talk about the fears that held us back. Um, and, you know, I just wonder from elementary school up on through, you know, senior citizens, we all have these fears that hold us back from leading our biggest and best lives. And to think about what those fears might be and how we could address them can really help us move forward.
1: Agreed. And I think this is really the, um, cornerstones of the beauty and power of coaching As coaching is a modality, um, to get out of story, get into action and proactivity to making those shifts. And I, I have similar experiences in my practice that, 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 we get stuck in our story. You know, we all have a story to tell about why we can or cannot do something. And, um, exploring that courage and that fear most definitely, um, offers us the opportunity to go beyond, you know, it is the first step towards moving beyond what, what it, what we're fearful of is opening the conversation about it. Right. And people think that
3: they're stuck. I've heard so many times, well, I don't have a choice. I can't, I I can't make a choice. Well, there's always a choice. There's a choice to do nothing or a choice to do something. And so, you know, sometimes even realizing that you're making a choice to do nothing is empowering because then you've actually taken a little bit more control over your life and decided, you know what, I do have a choice, but I'm going to just stay where I am.
1: Because it's safe. It's the devil I know versus the devil I don't. Right. the the stories that have come out of these courage walls, what has it done in communities? What's the feedback that you're getting?
3: Um, You know what I think is the most interesting thing is I'll hang out over there by the wall and... I start to hear conversations between husbands and wives that needed to happen. There was on the opening day of the wall this woman walked by and she had a two year old and newborn and she was walking with her husband and she said, oh, what I really want to write is I wish I had the courage to take a day off and let my husband take the kids and she said but can I write that? And she asked him if she could write it. And he said, of course you can write it. I didn't know you needed a day off. Well, let's do it. When can we do that? You need that. Um, so that, that's neat. And then I hear conversations between parents and children where children are writing about their big dreams and parents say, wow, I had no idea that you wanted to do that. Well, let's, let's get that started. How, do, how can I support you? So that has been really neat in that building community within a family unit. Um, And then there's also just a lot of conversations that strike up between strangers where they say, oh, you want to start a business? Well, so do I. What do you want to start? And then there's so much creative energy that comes out of that conversation. So that's been really neat to see.
1: I bet. And there's something very interesting about declaring. Like when we have even the courage to just say what it is we would wish for, there's an inherent power in that declaration.
3: There is, and that's something that we learned about in the Georgetown program. You know, they talked about the Declaration of Independence, and that created something that didn't exist before the declaration was made. And they talked about how powerful words are. So a declaration is really creating something that didn't exist before it. And, you know, when you are courageous enough to make that declaration, it sticks with you. Um, and then writing down the declaration gives it some kinetic energy, and it puts it into your body. And then your body is remembering that you've made this commitment. And then when you share it with others, um, that sharing just reinforces it. And, and then it's hard to let go of. I've found that people have come back to the wall and said, you know what, I wrote something on there two weeks ago, and I didn't think I was going to move forward with it, but I I can't stop thinking about it, and I know that I have to do something.
1: And I think that you've hit on something very, very powerful. The idea that we've made the declaration that we've stated an intention somewhere in written format, we've actually moved the energy from our brain out into the external world, um, causes some inertia.
3: It does. And, you know, the interesting thing about the phrasing on the wall, I I spent a while thinking about what that phrasing was going to be. And I've had some feedback about it saying, why is it so passive? Because it says, I wish I had the courage to. And people have crossed out, I wish, and they have written, I have the courage to. And, you know, that's great. But the reason I put I wish in there is because it's possibility generating. And it makes people think, you know, well, I've, I've got the courage to do all sorts of things. I've climbed mountains. I've, you know, gone scuba diving. I've started a business. But what is it? I wonder what it is that I still don't have the courage to do. And so I like the framing of the phrase because I think it generates a lot of thought and possibility in people.
1: And so no no uh, big commitments because is a wish is, is a thought or a hope or a dream. So it gets, well, it gets and the conversation started, right? That's how
3: it starts, exactly. But then when they write it down, that is when they're making the declaration, and that's when it shifts from a wish into, wow, this is actually a real possibility and I could move forward on this. Mm.
1: I, I'm envisioning it. I've been on your site. I've done a little research on the project and it, this is, it's just so much fun and it really fosters people to come from a place of authenticity, curiosity, wonder, delight Joyfulness, even in the fear and doubt, like, well, could I ever, could I ever really do this? It, it's a start.
3: Yeah. And I have to say, the messages on the wall are both heartbreaking and heartlifting. You know, there have been messages like confront my attacker, um, stop my brother from committing suicide. And you, you can just feel the anguish in these people's hearts. Um, you know, stop being bullied. Um, I mean, there are just so many things that are very deep inside of people. And then there are the joyful ones, you know, the, the ones that say, love, love myself, love my body, love being who I am, create my first novel. Um, there are hopes and dreams that are inspiring as well as the ones that you just know people are really hurting inside.
1: But what I'm hearing is that even in that heartbreak to confront my attacker to prevent somebody I love from or the the power to have com- uh, prevented somebody I love from committing suicide mm-hmm. there is something that is very positive even in that darkness I mean I don't think we need to minimize you know that this is h- horrific there's healing that goes on when when that takes place
3: There is because I think that people are starting to claim their power that they didn't realize that they had. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and let's talk for a moment about our fears. We're going to go to a break in in about a minute, but I just want to jump into this conversation about fear because fear can be what limits us and keeps us imprisoned, or fear can also be transformed into a source of jet fuel that catalyzes change. It can, and I think
3: that once you can start to realize that fear, so what is the fear? The fear of not belonging, the fear of people not liking me, the fear of not being right, of losing control. You know, once you can kind of name that fear, it starts to lose its power and it sounds kind of silly, actually. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. you can actually confront it.
1: Indeed. We are going to go to a break. And when we return, we're going to continue the conversation with Nancy Belmont. And we're talking about the Courage Wall. She is the creator of this wonderful project that has really gone global. And I encourage our listeners to visit her website at nancybelmont.com on Facebook it is, the or the page is We Live Big, and the Twitter handle is We Live Big. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation with, with Nancy Belmont about fear, about the power of declaration, and moving on to the importance of finding one's purpose. You're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with
0: Lisa Cypress Gaiman. Here come those tunes. We'll be right back. Cool
3: you feel like that's what
0: you do you like Lisa's take on happiness well-being and human flourishing join us this spring as harvesting happiness launches online classroom programming where Lisa Cypress Kamen will offer her workshop series across the globe and from the comfort of wherever you are visit harvestinghappiness.com for more details
3: Be a part of the grateful good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the medical center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day.
0: I feel good I knew that I wouldn't I feel good I knew
1: that I wouldn't so good. So good. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness to Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download this podcast and share it to pay it forward because we're talking about the power of courage, the power of courage to really transform our perspectives to assist us in stepping into the next phases of our lives, our greatness, and our authenticity. And I'm speaking with Nancy Belmont, who is the creator of the Courage Wall. And this is a wonderful project. Um, these are uh community chalkboards, eight feet by 20 feet, um, that read, I wish I had the courage to, which invites passersby to confront their fears, the fears that hold them back from living big, from living authentically, and living true to themselves. And prior to the break, we were talking about the power of declarations and why these boards are such a wonderful vehicle for declaring that which we desire in our lives but Nancy shared during the break that that really the focus of her work is going beyond the walls and she's got some pretty amazing declarations of where this project is going so Nancy take it away I know that you're working with um, a mental health organization you're working on curriculum for students in school tell us your declarations and where you're moving
3: Yeah, so um, I really do want the message to spread about courage because I am all about living big. And I've seen how my own fears hold me back, and I I haven't even recognized them. And so now now that I've had this conversation on courage with so many people and with myself, I'm starting to see that, um, you know, as you face your fears, you can live a bigger, bolder life. So one of the things that we've done recently is we've partnered with um, Mental Health America and um, we're using these postcards that say, I wish I had the courage to. And we are encouraging people with any kind of mental health issues to come forward and and declare what they wish they had the courage to do. And hopefully that will allow them to have the conversations they need before it gets to a critical stage in their mental health. Um, We're also talking with zero prostate cancer, and um, they want to encourage men to get tested uh, before it gets too late. But that sometimes takes courage to Go in and um, talk to your doctor about that kind of thing. So um, we're moving the conversation beyond the wall and aligning with some causes that are encouraging people to have courage. Another thing I'm doing is I'm working with my son's middle school teacher on develop developing a courage curriculum. And so she is going to be working on and has done a mini course already in his school on courage and You know, what are the literary characters that display courage that we've read about this year? Um, Write a poem on courage, source a story, and write a story on a family member who needed courage to move forward somehow in life. So it's really getting kids to have that conversation at a younger age so that they can be empowered as they step into their adulthood.
1: This is fabulous. And let's talk about the interplay between joy and courage, that when we really are being courageous, how that affects our joy. And we probably should qualify that what we're talking about is not the annoying yellow smiley face, that we're talking about (laughs) something deeper, you know?
3: Yeah, so I was doing research on joy last year, and I interviewed hundreds of people about what makes them joyful. And a lot of people talked about, wow, when I tried something that I didn't know that I could do, um, something that I've wanted to do for a really long time, but I was afraid to do it, and I took that risk, I felt joyful. Whether, Whether or not they failed or succeeded, which was really interesting, even having tried something that they were afraid to do, and failing had them feeling the sense of joy.
1: Mhm. It makes sense. You know, it's it it's taking oneself out of the comfort zone a little bit and and stretching. And we know that when we stretch, when we apply a little bit of good stress to our to mm-hmm. our lives, that we tend to step into we step into it. And, and, and yes. if, if we don't succeed, at least we're happy we tried. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that
3: what people find when they try something and fail is that failure is not really that bad and you can recover from failure. So all of these fears that have come up about, you know, the worst things that could happen, usually that's not what happens if you fail.
1: Indeed. And as a coaching strategy, you know, uh, taking a client through their worst case scenario, what would be the worst thing that could happen? And when they run through um, the story of what's the worst thing that, that can happen and they get to the end and they're laughing because they see kind of how preposterous it is, that right. too also creates, uh, you know, it stimulates humor. And with the humor, you can begin to uh, see how, the story that we tell is limiting and really we're being silly with ourselves.
3: We are. And the thing that I like to pair that with is an experiment. So I say in an experiment, you know, it's okay if you fail, that's part of what an experiment is. Sometimes they succeed and sometimes they fail. So a lot of times, once we get to that fear, I'll say, well, what do you want to do over the next two weeks? But it's just an experiment, just something you want to try. And it's it's great. If you fail, it's great because then you're collecting data. So, you know, not make it too serious, not make it this big change that they have to make right away, but just a little two week experiment. And that seems to work really well.
1: Shaking it up.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And people think, oh, wow, this person's being really different. Um, what's going on here? And it's because they are starting to really be more authentic and be who they are.
1: And, you know, since you are a coach and I am a coach and we both take what we do very, very seriously, I ask you, what is the importance of having a coach?
3: Yeah, you know, I've had a coach for a really long time. I've had many coaches, actually. And um, they really allow you to do your own best thinking because what a coach should be doing is asking compelling questions that make you really stop and think. And we don't have those kinds of conversations with our friends or our coworkers. You know, a lot of times when we're interacting with people, they're giving us advice or they're giving us their opinion on how things should be. And a good coach isn't going to do that. A good coach is going to ask questions and then they're going to make observations about how you're behaving or how you're thinking or what your belief system is that shed light on some of the limiting beliefs that you have and allow you to open up and see things from a different perspective. And so I've just found coaching to be invaluable for those aha moments of, oh, I was a fish swimming in my own water and I couldn't even see that I've created a story that this isn't actually the truth. Yeah.
1: And I think I would also add that it creates a sense of accountability for the shift or in order to create the shift.
3: Yeah. A lot of people are looking for accountability from a coach. That's absolutely true. And you know, I, I like being an accountability partner to some extent when when the client takes the lead on that accountability and says, "I promised you this last week, and now this is what I've done." you know I, I think that that the client's ability to take responsibility is part of what causes the shift.
1: And that's what makes a good coaching client. If the client is not mm-hmm. willing to set the parameters for his or her own action steps, then the, the coach is uh, not going to uh, it 's not the coach 's job to make them do it that 's not what we 're there for, but the accountability right. partner which you mentioned the partnership is is important can be very, very helpful
3: yes, absolutely. The other thing that 's really good for accountability is a visual system, um, you know something as simple as a calendar where you 're checking off or giving yourself a gold star toward your accomplishments that you um, you wanted to make. I find that when you make a declaration, you make it visual, and then you hang it up somewhere where you and others can see, you're much more likely to follow through on your
1: commitments. Mm. How about the value of feedback when we give constructive feedback to one another?
3: Yeah, you know, that's how this conversation on courage really came about for me because I took a leadership uh 360. And what I found was that I was being really passive in myself and in other people's eyes and it was limiting my courageous authenticity and you know it's it was um heartbreaking and embarrassing actually to know that both myself and others saw that I had a lack of courageous authenticity because that's what I'm all about. And Sometimes I think that we hold back that part of ourselves that could be the biggest part of ourselves because we're afraid that if we truly live into it and who we want to be and we fail, then we have no value. And so for me, just being able to see, wow, I am being passive and I'm limiting my own courageous authenticity, um, that has had me live into this part of myself that I have been longing to be. And I have found that when I am that person that I've been longing to be, that I'm much more joyful. I'm much more proud of myself. I'm much more confident. And, you know, it's just been the biggest gift to get some of that negative feedback.
1: Yeah, it is a huge benefit, but it's, I think it's also in the way it's shared you know, you said something to me during the break and it was so gentle and so kind. You know, it was about, you know, I think your words were, you know, can I, can I offer you some feedback? And it was like, of course, bring it, bring it on girl. <laughs> Tell me we, we want it. We need it. We do. But
3: I think that it's a practice to receive feedback and to ask for it because it can be scary you know, it can be hard to hear the things that others think that we're not doing well or that we're not aware of. And so, um, you know, for your listeners, I think that it's a great practice to go in and, and ask people, hey, how did I do in that meeting? I would love some feedback. And, you know, tell me something I did great, and then tell me something you think I could improve upon. And sometimes when it's weighted that way, it's much more easy to accept.
1: I want to touch upon the importance of, um, women in, in the business world, in, in life in general, supporting one another. You and I briefly talked about this before we began the show, and we don't have much time, but you and I both shared a similar observation about maturity and women and supporting one another and the importance of it. And I'm hoping you can just give us a, a last minute reflection on that.
3: Yeah, it took me a while to understand that women are actually different from men. <laughs> and the way that women tend to build success is through community. And since I've realized that, I have been looking for different partnerships. And it's amazing how when women work together to support each other, that it can you can create these win-wins that are fabulous for everybody.
1: Indeed. And it does take a village, especially as women with families, Um, you have, I believe your children are younger than mine. I just have, I have two, one just graduated Mm -hmm. from high school last week. So it is definitely, um, different for us with our families.
3: It is, but you know what, we are built to nurture and build community and to give and share love. And that's the thing. If we can bring that into our work life, we
1: can find ways to help everybody rise Yes. And I think that is, that is true joy, at least for me is helping all ships rise, you know, not just my own. How can I, how can, how can I help your ship rise or set sail? You know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's. That's joy-making. We are out of time, and I wish we had more, but that means you'll have to come back at some point and share more about what you're doing and how you've broken through the walls uh, with this project because I think it, it, it is destined for um, greatness and big conversations. To learn more, please visit www.nancybelmont.com. On Facebook, the page is We Live Big, and the Twitter handle is at we Live. Big. And here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypers kamen and my amazing guests today, Gabby Urey and Nancy Belmont, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. And a quick shout-out of of thanks to our producers who make us shine each and every week. We appreciate you. Go out and make it a great day.
0: Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Join us every Wednesday morning live at 10 to 11 Central Time here on TogiNet Radio. Then harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with free downloadable podcasts available at iTunes. To learn more about Lisa's filmography, felicitation, and philanthropy, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Each week, Harvesting Happiness presents engaging trendsetters, exploring our world through science, art, medicine, media, music, philosophy, politics, and the human heart, whose perspectives on life are sure to inspire, provoke, and engage. Lisa's diverse guests are a proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Like Lisa says, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following us on Twitter at Hashtag Then join us again next week at this same time on the Toginet Radio Network.